Welcome to the Champions League Betting Blueprint, a podcast with pinnacle and info goal that gives you data-driven insights and the best odds online. Looking for value in the Champions League betting markets? You've come to the right place. The Premier League is done and dusted and we've now got Champions League action to sink our teeth into. It's another podcast from Pinnacle and InfoGoal that's here to help you inform your predictions and find the right bet. Jake Osgathorpe, it's been a while. Welcome back. How are you? Yeah, very well, thank you. Not not so much a uh, mid-season break or an end-of-season break this time around, given what's what's happening. But, you know, I think full August of, of European football is definitely something that is, um, you know, peaking the interest and definitely make the time pass a little bit easier. That's it. Well, I think we're we're going all year round now, no breaks whatsoever, but <laughs> we can't complain, can we? Um, but we'll ease ourselves back in today. We've got, there's a few ties that still need to be sorted before we get into the, the quarterfinals of the Champions League. So we can obviously take a look at those. And then obviously the, the outright markets as well are, are getting a lot of attention at the moment. So we can maybe discuss the the likely contenders and if there's there's any outsiders that are worth noting. Does that sound good to you? Yes, yeah, sounds spot on. Cool. So in terms of the outright markets, um, let's let's see what you're thinking. In in terms of where Pinnacle is and and who could win the whole thing, the the market is as follows. We've got Manchester City at three point five four as the favourites. Bayern Munich just behind those at four point two zero. PSG is six point six three. Atletico Madrid eight point six five. Barcelona 9.94 and Atalanta make the top top six at 12.14. And then Juventus, RB Leipzig, Real Madrid are kind of in that 15, 25 to 1 bracket. Napoli 56.29 and Lyon, despite leading the, the, the round of 16 tiles we'll get onto in a minute, they're 83.86. And Chelsea, 166.64. I mean, they're pretty much written off at this point with that three-goal deficit to Bayern Munich. But plenty to, to dissect there in, in terms of the long list of the outsiders. But maybe towards the top of the market, are all those sort of top three, top four, are they, are they deserved prices, do you think, in terms of who could win it? Um, I think so. I think the, you know, the market is pretty spot on with the top three, um, the ordering of them. Uh, it's probably where we differ, really. Um, I think you said they're Manchester City as favourites to win the Champions League. Um, Infocal actually has them as second favourites behind Bayern Munich. So we give City around a 21% chance of, of winning the first Champions League trophy, uh, which equates to odds of around 4.8. So there isn't really much value there in backing them at around, uh, as you say, about 3.6. So for us, uh, the value play anyway is looking at Bayern Munich and um they're our favourites. We've got them at around a 27.8% chance uh, of, of winning the trophy and completing what would be a, a really, really impressive treble. Um, that equates to odds of around 3.6. So you quoted 4.2 there. There's decent value there in backing Bayern Munich. And I think that obviously um, factored into those prices that we've generated are the fact that is the fact that uh, obviously Bayern Munich are 3-0 up against Chelsea uh, with a home game. They then would have to play Napoli or Barcelona, um, and, and we highly fancy Bayern Munich to beat either of those teams in in a one-off game uh, before meeting Manchester City in, in the semi-finals. But before Manchester City have got to get uh, get past Real Madrid, uh, which is by no means over, um, and then they've potentially got to get past Juventus, which again would be a pretty uh, a tricky game uh, before meeting obviously Bayern Munich in the semi-finals. And I do think it's quite interesting that the, that the two at the head of the market could potentially meet in the semi-finals um, of the competition. 
which you know usually you would have the two at the top of the market being one from either side of the draw, a fancy team from either side of the draw. And that to me just says that the market uh, and obviously Infogol thinks that whoever comes out of the bottom side of the draw, so uh, the, the side of the draw involving Man City and Bayern Munich, will be favourites heading into the final. Um, third favourites, PSG. I think we, we've got them at around a 17.7% chance. And obviously there's, there's caveats in there um, surrounding them. The fact that they haven't actually played a domestic, uh, sorry, a, a competitive game prior to their two cup finals for around three or four months. And um, luckily for them, they did have those two cup finals to to sort of warm them up, played against Saint-Étienne and, and Lyon. They, they won 1-0 and drew 0-0 before winning on penalties against Lyon. So they, they, they're on for a, a, you know, a quadruple if they could win the Champions League. Um, but they've had some serious blows in terms of uh, the build-up to their match against Atalanta in the sense that Kylian Mbappe is, is going to be out injured. Nonetheless, we still make them third favourites and, and think that they, um, you know, that from the top side of the draw, which obviously involves PSG, Leipzig, Atletico and Atalanta, PSG are the most likely uh, winners from that side. Uh, we're giving them around a 17.7% chance, which is around f- uh, 5.7 in terms of decimal odds. Um, so again, there's, there's a small small amount of value there in, in backing them at around 6.5 that you quoted. So uh, they're after, three at the head of the betting and, and we do think that Manchester City are probably not fair um, or, or shouldn't be priced up as favourites um, and Bayern Munich are our favourites heading into the into the this, this crazy month of European football and, and just some interesting points as well I think RB Leipzig could be a team to to watch I think that they're being discounted <clears throat> their price has drifted quite considerably since um since Timo Werner obviously was uh, announced as a Chelsea player. Understandably so, given his contribution. But um, they, to me, look quite a big price um, at around 15, given the fact that they are, um, you know, they for us anyway, they were the second best team in the Bundesliga. Um, their process was closest to Bayern than any other team in, in the Bundesliga. Um, and throughout this competition, they've been really impressive. Obviously, dismantling Spurs in in the previous round uh, and came out of a very competitive group um, involving Leon, Zenit, and Benfica. So I don't think they should be underestimated, even though they have lost Timo Werner. They're a very capable team uh, in all areas, defence and attack. Uh, and in one-off game, uh, you know it, it's going to be tough for them if they are going to win. They'll have to get past Atletico um, and then one of PSG and Atalanta, and then obviously whoever comes out the other side of the draw. Um, but I think that they're probably a little bit um yeah the, the price is a little bit too big at, at 15 um for sure uh looking at the rest of the market obviously barcelona at 9.75 you would look at them you know yesteryear and think that that's a, a ridiculous price but they're not the team of yesteryear um we have them as our fifth favorites to win the t- uh, the tournament at 9.7% i think that they're priced at around about uh, about right. They've got a tough tie against Napoli still to cut against um, at the new camp. Fortunately for them, one one. But after that, they're going to have to play Bayern Munich and most likely Manchester City to get to the final. So it's not looking great for them. Um, and then yeah, a couple of other interesting outsides. I mean, you mentioned there Real Madrid and Chelsea's price. Real Madrid at, at twenty three. That seems ridiculously short to me. Um, our model has them at closer to 142 to one to win the competition than 22 to one. Um, and Chelsea, I think you said they're at 151. 
we've got them at a less than a 0.1% chance of winning the competition. So around a thousand to one uh, of Chelsea actually winning the competition. So there's no value there, even at a big price. And especially Real Madrid looked way too short at 23. I think the fact that, um, you know, they finished the Liga season very strongly, won the Liga. Um, I think there's a lot of people getting a lot of confidence from that heading into the game against Manchester City. But let's not forget they're 2-1 down to um, a Manchester City team that is a, a rampant attacking side. Uh, they're going to have to open up and try and score uh, two goals because of the away goals rule. Um, and that could leave themselves well exposed for Manchester City to go in and, and take full advantage. So they look um, way too short for me around 23. I'd definitely be avoiding back in Real Madrid. Yeah, I'm surprised to see Chelsea, you mentioned that. I'm surprised to see them even listed in the uh, the outright markets. But... <laughs> yeah, we we had a few um, a few people mentioning this on Twitter because we put our percentage chance of winning the Champions League out there. Um, and for rounding sakes, we, we, we had, like I said, Chelsea at less than 0.1% chance. And for rounding sakes, we left it at zero because otherwise you're going to have two <laughs> decimal places all the way around. Um, and there was a few people saying, well, you mean they've got a chance. They have got a chance. I mean, yeah, they have, but you're looking at a... You know, a thousand to one, if not bigger. I think I think they're lower. What's it? It's less than two percent chance in their game later on, or, or something like that. To well, yeah, we're giving them a, a 0.2 percent chance of qualifying past Bayern Munich. So if they get past Bayern, then they've got to play probably likely Barcelona, um, and then probably Manchester City before playing probably PSG. So uh, if we're giving them a 0.2 percent chance of getting past Bayern Munich, the you know I think. 0.1% of winning the whole competition is, is probably being too generous on our part, on our account. Well, it's it, it's interesting that when you were you were talking about the the prices and the percentages and the the kind of logic behind that was very much built around mapping out the the sides of the draw and who might play who and who and and things like that, which is obviously very important for people that are that are going to be looking at the, at the outright markets. I think it's also interesting that we're kind of in a bit of a, a, a unique situation as well because it's we're moving to what would now be single leg matches for the quarterfinals onwards. We're, we're in this like bubble type approach that, the, that they've done for the NBA with all these fixtures now taking place in Lisbon. It's something completely new to, to betters. Is, is there anything to kind of think about that and the change in format? I know we've, we've kind of done home advantage to death um, but it, it kind of feels like it's it's like a Euros or a World Cup where essentially everyone's in the same boat. So do you have any kind of specific thoughts on, on what the change in format might mean? Um, I mean, from my perspective, the the fact that you've got a two-legged affair definitely favours the better team because obviously, you know, a team can get very lucky in a single game knockout. We've seen that many times, you know, if you think back to 2004 when Greece won the Euros and they sort of rode the luck the entire way through. They won 1-0 in matches and took games to penalties and extra time. Even Portugal in the most recent Euros, um, 2016. Uh, you, can, you can get those sorts of results in a single leg knockout, whereas if you've got a two-legged affair, it's more likely than not that the better team will prevail because the lesser team is less likely to get lucky twice in a row. So I definitely think it, 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 this single leg um, affair at a neutral venue does tend to favour um, more shocks, more shock results. Uh, however, I would say that the, the the better teams in this competition are much better than the worst teams. Um, you know, I'm talking about the Bayern Munichs and the Manchester Cities of the world. Um, compare those to the likes of Napoli and Lyon. There's a massive gulf there, in, in my opinion. And I think that even over one leg, you can get some freak results. But I would still find strongly fancy uh, Bayern Munich and Manchester City to. Um, you know, at the very least, reach the semi-finals and play each other. 
the same will go for PSG, just given the the, the strength of, of, of their squad and their team. Um, but then again, you can't discount the likes of Atletico Madrid, who have been here and done that already. They've been to two Champions League finals. Um, I think over a three or four year stretch, the only team that actually beat them in the Champions League were Real Madrid, and they beat them in two finals and I think one semi final. Um, the two finals that they got to, they they uh, took got beaten extra time and then got beaten on penalties. So uh, I think this, you know, they're they're definitely an interesting runner in this, given the the style of play um, that they operate. We saw it to prime effect in the previous round when they knocked out Liverpool. Just that that performance at, at the Wanda Metropolitana was excellent to go one 0 up, and then obviously in extra time against Liverpool, <clears throat> they just sat back and counter attacked and, and and ended up winning that game uh, rather comfortably according to the scoreline. Anyway, so it definitely does that, that, that sort of team that sort of style does interest me in these competitions. Um, so yeah, Atletico Madrid are a definite dark horse, um, and they're probably out of the out of the remaining teams that are in the competition, I'd probably put put themselves and, and Leon in that bracket of being really awkward to play against in, in a one-off game, uh, just purely because of their defensive mindset. And they're also one of the teams towards the top of the market that are actually already through to the quarterfinals. Some of them that that we mentioned, obviously Manchester City and Bayern Munich, they're in they're in comfortable positions, I'd say, but they've they've still got their their round of sixteen ties to go. Um, I've got the I've got the odds here for the round of sixteen ties. So are you are you ready to to jump into those and and see on those individual matchups just where their value might be in those games? Yeah, yeah, let's get stuck into those. Cool. So we've got Juventus versus Leon. I've got down as the first match, and obviously another Serie A season, another league title for Juventus. Been a fair while since they actually won the Champions League, though they they came close. I think they're memory it's they've had a couple of finals in the last four or five years or six years maybe yeah they got beat by Barca and Real well the um the stats for them actually surprisingly suggest that they weren't actually the best team in Serie A last season um and they also suggest that they weren't the best team in Group D of the the Champions League despite the the impressive record of, of winning five and drawing one of their six matches one down to Leon. you said Leon are obviously a can be a difficult team to play against but the French team they they had a, a I mean a pretty poor domestic campaign they managed to scrape through a tight a tight group G um got that one ill advantage obviously as we said as well they they haven't really played that much given that the the Liga 1 season finished so long ago but Juve are the heavy favorites for the match 1.438 so a 67% chance of the win for them the goals mark is at 2.5 and 3 and a slight favoritism for the under on there if you're confident in Juventus, you you might be looking to towards the the progress market or to advance market. They're one point eight zero six on that. Is I mean, it's an interesting one for me here because, as you said, Leon do have the ability to to turn up and be tough to break down. A difficult one, the first one to get into. What are you thinking for this? Uh, yeah, it, this is a really interesting game. Um, it, it's a game that I think there is value to be had. Um, like you said, Juventus are really strong favourites, but what we've seen from them this season, in you know, both in Europe and domestically, really hasn't been impressive at all. If anything, they've got worse under Maurizio Sarri. Um, obviously, I think you've probably seen or heard that their their points total, I think it was around 83 points that they won the Serie A with this season, was actually the lowest points total um, of any of the nine um, domestic wins Serie A titles over the last nine seasons. So from a points perspective, they got worse year on year and, and it is their worst 
Juventus points performance in, in nine seasons. Um, and from a process perspective, that's exactly the same. They rank just I think it's fourth in our expected goals table based on expected points. And in terms of XG process, um, I think they average around 1.9 expected goals for 1.2 expected goals against per game. That has them behind um, Atalanta, Inter Milan and Roma. Um, and one of the main issues, and it is quite a frustrating one for me when I'm watching, based given the fact that I work with expected goals, is the amount of um, low probability shots that Juventus take in matches. Um, you know, most of that will probably come from Cristiano Ronaldo, who shoots whenever he can. Um, but you know, since the restart, they've had 225 shots, and only 12 of those have been big chances which is, um, we, we calculate at around a 35% or greater chance of being scored. So that's around 0.4% of the total chances that they've had have been that, like a big chance. That is unsustainable way of playing, really. Um, and, you know, that was the case in the reverse fixture as well, in, in the first leg where they had 14 shots against Lyon. Half of those came from outside the box, or over half of those, and only one came from inside 12 yards, which was um, you know, their only big chance in that game. And that's been their Achilles heel all season long. It's, it's been poor shot location, um, and that's resulted in poor underlying numbers, um, and then being fortunate to score as many goals as they have. So um, big question marks around Juventus in attack. Defensively, I don't think they're going to be too troubled here. I think Leona, they've got that one goal lead. They know if they keep a clean sheet, they're going through. Um, they also know that, that if they do score, then Juventus will have to score three. So it is a really interesting tie. Um, I don't think Leon will play an attacking round of football at, at the Allianz, which is probably going to not play into Juventus' hands, but it will um, almost eliminate a weakness because they have been pretty uh, fragile defensively, especially since the restart. Um, and, you know, like you said, in the group game, Juventus, uh, the group... I think yeah, we were in with Atletico Madrid, Lokomotiv Moscow, um, and Bayer Leverkusen. They've been really poor. Um, they're, they're, I think they, they topped the group with five wins and a draw. The process was really, really poor. They, they, I think they only generated more than 1.1 expected goals um, twice. Uh, came against Lokomotiv Moscow both times. So anytime they played um, a decent opponent, which includes Lyon, um, they've really struggled to create chances. So against Atletico Madrid, Bayer Leverkusen, Lyon, they've really struggled in terms of um, generating decent attacking uh, opportunities. And I think that will probably continue here. And, and Lyon obviously have the upper hand, uh, really staunch defensive display in that first leg. We make them 56% favourites to qualify, um, which is contradictory to the market. The market has Juventus as favourites. Um, but I, don't, I think there's been too much read into into the league positions of these two teams. Juventus finished top of Serie A. Lyon finished the league earned season in, in seventh place. But if you look at their expected positions, Juventus, like I said, were the fourth best team in Italy. Lyon were actually the third best team in France before the season was 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 ended. Um, that's based on expected points and um, their expected process. So the league position doesn't do Lyon really any justice heading into this game. Um, but like I said, in the previous section, they are a very strong defensive side. The only PSG boasted a better defensive record in Liga in this season, allowing Leon have allowed 0.94 expected goals against per game. And in Champions League, they've allowed 1.34 expected goals against per game, though only in their two matches against Leipzig did they allow more than 1.15 expected goals against. So that you know, in, in five matches, they've allowed fewer than 1.15 expected goals against, and that includes a reverse game against Juventus. So there's a lot of real 
positives for Leon to take. Like I said, they um, PSG played in the in the cup final, cup the league final, and that was against Leon, and, and Leon actually kept the French champions out for 120 minutes, losing on penalties. So their focus is defence, um, and I think that you know all of that for me points to a low scoring game, um, and the model agrees. I think you said there that the the under two and a half can be backed at around two point one. We're calculating around a forty nine percent chance of under two point five goals, so there is a, a small margin of value there. And, and if you're wanting to, I, I wouldn't put anyone off backing uh, against Juventus. The market, like you said, is around sixty seven percent chance of a Juve win. We're at sixty percent, so there's value in opposing um, Juventus. And also, uh, you know, in the both teams to score no market, where there's also um, a little bit of value, mm. where 52% the market's around um, 51. So not expecting fireworks um, in a, what, what what should be a cagey game. And I think that Leon have got a really good chance of progressing, given what we've seen from Juventus. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head when you said about the, the kind of league positions, maybe informing people's opinions too much. And, and also that element of, to me, it almost feels like reputation, like, People probably struggle to remember when the last time that Leon maybe reached the the quarterfinals or, f- or further in the Champions League, and just because that hasn't happened, it's it's seen that Juventus must be the better team and and therefore are, are so heavily favoured. But one of the interesting things that I kind of alluded to before, and you've mentioned that Leon have have played in the the cup against PSG. They've been doing the. I think a few teams have been involved in like a, a friendly kind of competition, haven't they, with Celtic and and stuff like that. But there's that that match fitness element after kind of stopping the season so early versus potentially for Juventus fatigue building up from from cramming in so many fixtures in such a short space of time is there do you think either of those two things could play a part here yeah i think that it's really interesting you say that Juventus crammed but they'd already won the title with a game to go so they rested everyone last week against Roma um, which obviously will help they basically had a week off now um, and for Leon, obviously they haven't played in too much competitive action. But what the break has allowed is is long term absentee, absentees. Um, Memphis Depay, who's I think their captain and key player, uh, Jeffrey Adelaide also, who were both out for uh, the season effectively with cruciate ligament injuries. They're both back in full fitness now, making Leon um, a much stronger opponent. So um, it, I think it's definitely helped Leon the break um, in terms of their chances of. of, of doing something in this competition. Like I said, strong, uh, their better players are now back fully fit. Um, and Juventus, they were cruising to the Serie A title and, and I think there was some resting and rotating um, that, that was applied in that last game against Roma. So I think both teams will be pretty fresh coming into this. It'll be interesting to see what sort of intensity Leon will be playing at though because I, I expect Juventus to um, step on the gas early doors and try and get an early goal. Right, let's get on to Manchester City versus Real Madrid and... I was going to say probably it's definitely the standout tie of the round. Um, City were they were nowhere near Liverpool in the league in terms of the actual points, but the, they had the best underlying performance of any team in the league. In contrast, Real Madrid weren't quite the best team in their domestic uh, league, but actually managed to win the title. Um, both of them found qualification fairly comfortable in the end. Manchester City actually had the second best expected goals figures of any team in the competition. And then, as we've, as, we, as we've said before, they they beat Real Madrid 2-1 at the Bernabeu, put themselves in a good position to maybe maybe win that first Champions League. And, and as you said earlier, they're, they're probably deserved favourites, just or just about in the outright markets. Um, 
it is easy to forget that Real Madrid won three Champions League on the spin, won four of the last six Champions League titles. They they know how to get the job done and it's a 2-1 scoreline. Away goals are going to be crucial, but the market just does not fancy Madrid to progress here. They're, they're 6.09 to win the tie. Uh, that's a 16% chance. And in the game itself, it, the market's a little bit closer. City are 1.709 with a 56% chance of the win. Madrid are a 4.31 and that's a 22% chance. I think a lot of people here are going to be expecting a, a good game and, and plenty of goals. And the market does show just that um, with the, the over-under at three, all the money coming in for the over at the moment. What are your thoughts on this one? Yeah, we, we agree with the market. I think that we could be in for a cracking game. Like I said, it, it, the, the way that this tie is set up, the fact that Manchester City have a 2-1 lead with two away goals means that Real Madrid have to score two on the night no matter what. And you know you would expect that if Real Madrid uh, play open attacking football, Manchester City will be able to carve them open on the counter-attack with the precision passing of, of the likes of Kevin De Bruyne, uh, Bernardo Silva, etc. So um, all of it... You know, all of that points to goals. The fact that you've got a Manchester City team who are, um, you know, one of the best teams in Europe, if not the best from an underlying numbers perspective, um, also is, is you know, another reason Man City finished the Premier League season with a, a whopping 101 expected goals for, um, which, you know, they scored 102 goals, 101.6 expected goals for. So they performed basically in line with the underlying numbers, which is always, um, you know, quite satisfactory. Uh 2.67 expected goals for per game in in the Premier League, and if you isolate the home matches, they're um, you know that jumps up to around 2.9. And even in this competition, they've, you know they've not really played any teams of note. I think they've, in their group they had Zagreb, Shakhtar, and Atalanta, and in their three home matches they averaged over three expected goals per game um, while allowing one. So. You know, there's a lot to like about this Manchester City team heading into this game. Obviously, they. they the result at the Bernabeu, not only the result, but the performance, the the way that they dominated the game and created loads of chances and, and good ones at that is is definitely something to, you know, to be lauded. But I think one of the reasons why Real Madrid are perhaps not long enough in, in the to qualify market is because the people are looking at their results post-break and the fact that they won the La Liga title and, and suggesting that this is a different team to the team that Man City played at the Bernabeu in the first leg. Um, and I think that there's some truth in that. I think that Real Madrid are a much more well-organised and solid unit. Um, post-break, they've, they've allowed fewer chances per game. Um, they, you know, I think it's less than 0. Uh, 1. Uh, 0.0 expected goals against per game since the restart. Um, and over the course of the season, they've actually been very impressive um, from a league standpoint, defensively anyway. So <clears throat> it is definitely a, a marginally different and more pragmatic Real Madrid team. But unfortunately for them, they're in a position where they can't be pragmatic. They have to go out and win the game and, and score chances and create goals. And, and you know, although they've, they've shown really strong defensive um, performances recently, I can't see them doing so again here against a Manchester City team that that were rampant towards the back end of the Premier League season. Five nil against Newcastle, five nil against Brighton, four nil against Watford, five nil against Norwich. Admittedly, the level of opponent in those games is is nowhere near what we what we're seeing or what they'll face at the Etihad against Real Madrid. But um, you know they're a team that are more than capable of racking up a huge scoreline, and um, you know I I think that there's a, a little bit of. Um, of, of need in the price of Real Madrid 
the fact that there are 22% chance of winning the game and Manchester City at 56%, I think is um, is completely wrong. Manchester City, for me, should be shorter. Uh, the Infocom model got them around a 61% chance of winning. So, from my perspective, backing City to win is um, is the main value play. I, I think that they're odds on, but I still think that that is um, uh, you know, a very strong bet, given the, the state of the tie and the fact that Real Madrid will have to um, attack and, and will leave themselves open and, and again that, that follows with the goals over three and a half 42 percent on the market the model's at 58 percent so we're expecting a really high scoring Manchester City win uh, with both teams to score extremely likely as well given Manchester City's defensive frailties but um, yeah I think overall in, in this tie we're giving Man City a 91 percent chance of qualifying uh, Real Madrid at nine percent and I think um, I think that Real Madrid at around a 6.6 to actually qualify so around a 15% chance meaning that that they're nine you know that the, that price is is way too short similarly to the um the outrights i think that people are slightly overestimating real madrid um and, and underestimating the size of the task that they are presented with yeah i think a lot of the time and this is the the away goals rule and the two legged ties and things like that, people seem to forget just how important or how big a result like a 2-1 or something like that can be or a 1-0 and um, we, we've got an article on Pinnacle that, that talks about how often these leads are overturned and when you look at the figures it's it really is quite shocking um, and I think as well that there's going to be there's going to be a lot of narrative going into this that that I touched upon as well when I sort of suggested or, or mentioned that Real Madrid have won four of the last six Champions League. We've we've both mentioned that that Manchester City are looking for that first elusive Champions League title. The the old kind of been there, done that versus the people that have crumbled before. I guess maybe just explain to to people that might be listening to this and kind of buying into that a little bit more. Could maybe just explain why that that doesn't actually mean anything or why that isn't really that important for a game like this. Um, well, I think the first place to start is. Um, that Real Madrid team that won for the last six, there's only a handful of players that are still there. So it's not the same Real Madrid team. I mean, the, the talisman from that team, Cristiano Ronaldo, is no longer there for a start. He was scoring around 50 goals a season for them. Um, of the current team, you've got the spine, maybe, uh, Benzema, Modric, Cruz, Casemiro, Ramos, Varane. Um, but for me, I mean, that, that, that really doesn't mean anything. It comes down to, for example, well, after this um this round, it comes down to a single leg tie, knockout tie. Um, and, you know, Manchester City themselves have gotten to semi-finals before um, of this competition. So they, they, they're experienced in the competition. And, and for me, experience doesn't really mean anything. I mean, from a, a data perspective, we don't take into account any previous meetings or previous history with any given competition. Um, it just purely comes down to the numbers and, and the teams on the night. And, from our perspective, Manchester City are by far and away the better of these two teams. Um, and if you play this game 100 times, we expect Manchester City to come out on top 61 uh, times out of 100. Real Madrid just 20. Um, and, and, you know, even if you did factor in a percent for Real Madrid having the experience and the, and the championships under the belt, still, we're not expecting Real Madrid to get through this tie. And, and you know, it's something that um, that is banded about quite a lot. You know, they they know how to do it. They've been there. They've done that. It's a load of rubbish, really. Um, I mean, it, at the end of the day, it comes down to one game or two games and having the previous experience of, of doing well in a competition doesn't mean that you're going to do well on the night. 
Well, I like that there was a nice explanation there, but also the the truth of just, it's a load of rubbish. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's the same with like when people quote stats of, oh, so-and-so haven't beaten so-and-so in 10 years. I mean, that doesn't really mean anything because any, you know, the team, team Y could have sacked three managers in the space of a year, like a Watford, for example. And, and all of a sudden you've got a bunch of players there from three different managers trying to play under a new manager in a new system. Um, and, you know, you've got to take into account the fact that things are changing constantly and it's not the same team every single season. Things change. Um, you know, this Real Madrid team is is changing. It's evolving. Um, there's a lot more youth involved now in, in the Real Madrid team and, and, and the overall squad. While there are still, obviously, the household names there, like your Ramos and, and your Cruz and Modric that are, and Benzema that are the spine of the team, things are changing around them and, and they're a much different side to to the side that we saw win four of the last six Champions Leagues. Um, like I said, without Cristiano Ronaldo, Gareth Bale doesn't get a kick anymore. Um, so, yeah, it, it, you really can't just give Real Madrid uh, you know, a, a better chance of winning just because they've won the Champions League before. Um, you know, it, it's the same. I think Manchester City are in the same boat as PSG. I think and until they win the Champions League, they're always going to be labelled as as being naive or not having the bottle in these sorts of big games. But for me, it's a load of rubbish. Right, now we've got Barcelona versus Napoli and one tie that is is quite finely balanced after the, the 1-1 result in Naples. I just mentioned that Madrid weren't the best team in La Liga last season. People then probably expect that Barcelona were and, and just got unlucky. But to be fair, it wasn't either of those according to expected goals. And it was actually Atletico Madrid that were, were ahead of both of them. Napoli, meanwhile, they had... Their, I mean, their worst season in quite a while, finishing down in seventh. They were a bit unfortunate with that. They they matched Liverpool pretty closely in Group E, and and they've been all right in all right form since the Serie A restart. They've they've lost three of the the twelve games since they've come back. They've obviously also won the the Coppa Italia, which is a big achievement for them. The odds suggest it's it's Barcelona's tie to lose though, and it is still obviously all to play for, obviously, but. The odds for the match have Barcelona at 1.653, so a 58% chance of just winning that, that game. Napoli are 5.12 or, or 19%, and the draw is 4.03, which is 24%. Um, a relatively high goals mark here at three, but it's similarly to, to one of the previous games, the events game, it's the the under that's, that's seeing all of the action here. Um, do you think there's value on offering this one? Yeah, yeah, um, definitely. I think opposing the unders is, is definitely um, going to prove to be a value play in this. Um, yeah, th- this is a really finely balanced tie. Obviously, 1-1 in the first leg was a good result for Barcelona. Um, gives them the away goal heading into this tie. It means that Napoli have to score um, no matter what at the Camp Nou. And, and I think that there is every chance that Napoli will score. They're a very good attacking side. They showed that on the final day of the, uh, of the Serie A season against... Lazio when they won three one, um, and Barcelona have shown um, you know plenty of defensive frailties over the course of the season, um, especially in the in the Champions League. I mean, if you think back to the first not group game, um, I think it was against Dortmund, finished nil nil, but they conceded I think it was three point three expected goals um, off the top of my head, which you know is a staggering amount, and and it's something that we have seen them do regularly throughout this competition. I think it was around 1.6 away at Inter Milan, um, the same at home to Inter Milan. So they are they are a very frail um, defensive side. Um, I think I'm just double-checking when... Um, yeah, so I think Kike Setien was in charge for the, the, the first leg 
all the rest of the Champions League um, group stage was uh, was under Ernesto Valverde. So <clears throat> he, you know, Setien, I think he did a decent job in that first leg. A one-one draw, like I said, is a decent result, but it could have been so much better according to expected goals. Um, Samuel Titi missed a massive chance around 76 minute, which would have put Barcelona in a similar position to Manchester City. But nonetheless, they they will be expecting to get the job done. Um, Infogol expects them to. We're giving them a 77% chance of, of qualifying. Um, and yeah, it, it, for me, it, this is a really intriguing game because if you look at Napoli's um, season, obviously you quoted there that they finished seventh. That for me is not really a, a fair reflection of, of where they deserve to finish. And, and obviously part of that is due to expected goals, but part of that is also down to the fact that they won the Coppa Italia Um just before or just as the season restarted. And, and that basically meant that they'd already qualified for the Europa League. They couldn't actually catch the top four. So for me, that their fall down from um, fifth and sixth to seventh isn't too much of a uh, too much of a big deal, given the fact that they were already guaranteed a, a Europa League group stage spot. Um, so I think that that part probably had something to do with them falling down the table um, and probably getting themselves primed for this game. Um, I think... Gennaro Gattuso has done an excellent job so uh, uh, so far at Napoli. Like I said, delivered a, a trophy, which is um, you know something that very few Napoli coaches have done. And overall, they've been quite tough to beat. They've allowed 1.1 expected goals against per game this season, um, averaged 1.7 expected goals for per game. So their process is is very strong and, and the fifth best in in Syria. Um, and in terms of their Champions League. Uh, campaign, like you said, they, they matched Liverpool pretty much stride for stride. They had the be- um, the beating of them from. Um, I think they, they actually did beat them in in Naples, and and that's no mean feat given what we've seen Liverpool do this season. Uh, and the fact that they won the Coppa Italia, I think they they drew both matches in ninety minutes and won both on penalties. That for me shows that they quite a good cup competition, uh, a cup team. So if they do get past this Barcelona team, they they could well be a team to watch um, as an underdog. Given that this is a one-off tie, um, Barcelona do obviously have the home advantage. We're making Barcelona 61% favourites to win the game on the night. So it's looking unlikely that Napoli will actually progress. Um, 57% on the market for a Barcelona win. So there is small value there in backing Barcelona. It'll be interesting to see how they... Um, how they approach the game uh, from Barcelona because we, we saw quite a lot of tentative performances um, since the restart of the Liga with quite a few 1-0 wins um, against really poor opposition and then out of nowhere they hammer Villarreal 4-1 and then hammer Alaves 5-0 um, in the final five games of the season so be really interesting to see what approach they take I think Napoli are a very dangerous opponent they're strong on the counter-attack um, they can be ball dominant as well if they want to um, so I find this a really intriguing tie. Like I said, we're, we're contradictory with the uh, the market in terms of goals. Um, I think we're at 69% chance of over two and a half goals, which is massive. We think that between these two teams, uh, the fact that Napoli have to score, um, Barcelona could well expose them defensively. Um, 58% chance of an over 2.5 goals on the market. So there's good value in that. And, and both teams score the same 64% chance on the model, 56 on the market. So, we are quite lacking the look of a high-scoring game. Um, Napoli really have been one of the entertainers in Serie A since the restart. I think pretty much all of their games have seen both teams to score. Uh, have seen both teams score rather, and and quite quite a lot, if not all, have seen over two point five. So 
Um, goals tend to follow when Napoli are playing and, and I think that if that is the case, Barcelona will find a little bit of joy, uh, especially Lionel Messi. So over 3.5 could be a bit of an outside bet as well. It's around 36% on the market. We're 47%. So uh, we're looking at a high-scoring home win, Barcelona to progress. Um, but for me, the best bet of the three is probably just backing both teams to score. Right, now we've got Bayern Munich versus Chelsea. And if ever a Champions League tie was done and dusted, sorry Chelsea fans, but it's going to be after a 3-0 away win in the first leg. We we mentioned it earlier. I mentioned the figure of 2%. Chelsea are 53.03 to advance from the tie. And that's actually, to be accurate, 1.86% chance. They've obviously then got to get past someone else and someone else to to go on and, and win the title, which I think you said was a 0.001 or whatever it might be. Um, I think for them, if the first result wasn't bad enough, they're... They're playing a team that have come back from the break in the in the domestic season in great form in Bayern Munich. The best underlying stats of anyone in the Champions League this season. They've got Robert Lewandowski, who just seems to score every time he touches the ball. Chelsea themselves, a, a massively disappointing result in the FA Cup. They really as well, they, they, they got top four, but they struggled for form at the end of the season. And really, it was just clinging on for that top four spot at the end. And I think another couple of games and... They would have been in big trouble. They're without Christian Pulisic, Cesar Azpilicueta and N'Golo Conte. So they're missing three really big players as well. Even if they got a win, that would be a shock. They're they're 7.4 to win the match, which is a 13% chance. Bayern are 1.377, which is 69% chance. And the goals mark is at 3 and 3.5. So... Maybe with with not much to play for, we we might see a really entertaining game. Um, how do you see this one playing out? Uh, I see it as the opposite. I think we'll probably see quite a um, quite a dull contest. Obviously, Bayern Munich they haven't played since the end of June, so it's been nearly a month and a half. Um, I think that this will be a game that they can just use to get the rust off, get themselves back, um, pointing in the right direction for their tre- uh, bid for a treble. Um, the fact that Chelsea are so light on the ground in terms of not so much players but quality players is a bit of an issue as well. I'm not sure if William will be playing given that his contract's up. Uh, obviously, Pedro injured himself as well during the um, FA Cup final. So it gives Lampard the opportunity to play some younger players and give them a bit of experience against some real high-quality opposition. But I think that this will be a strolling win for Bayern Munich. Um, maybe a 2 or 3-0, similar to what we saw in, at Stamford Bridge, where they were just simply excellent on the night. They absolutely hammered Chelsea, racked up over three expected goals. Um, and I won't be surprised to see them uh, win this game with relative ease and, and com- not really coming out of second gear. Uh, it's frightening, really, the form that Bayern Munich are in. In terms of the Bundesliga, they've won 19 in the last 20 um, to obviously surge to that league title. Um, and in the Champions League, they've been pretty flawless. I think they won all six group games and then obviously followed that up with a, a 3-0 thumping of Chelsea. So um, they really are probably, Infragol thinks, the team to beat. The fact that they've got this game pretty much over and done with in the first leg, it, it, like I said, it just allows them to ease themselves back into competitive action after a month and a half off. Um, and I don't, I, don't, I don't think they'll be you know, at, at the top of their game. I think they'll be maybe a, a, a 6 out of 10 rather than a, an 8 and 9. But it should be plenty to to beat this Chelsea side, I mean, we're giving them a 71% chance of, of winning the game on the night, 69% on the market, so you've got a small amount of value in that. 
And he said there in terms of Chelsea to qualify, I think he said around 53 on the market. Um, I think we, we're giving them, we rank them around 499 to one to qualify, um, which suggests that that 53 is is way too short. Um, but it, it's looking really unlikely. And, he, you know, especially even more so when you factor in, um, you know, the injuries and the, the players that Chelsea are missing. The fact that they can't decide on which goalkeeper to play, which centre-halves to play, um, which system to play never really helps. And the fact that they're coming up against such a, a juggernaut in Bayern Munich is, is not ideal, really. Um, an ideal way for them to end the, the season, which, like you said, was looking so promising in terms of securing top four with ease. Um, and then obviously an FA Cup final. But in the end, it end, sort of ends with a bit of disappointment. I mean, Lampard, for me, is getting quite a, an easy ride at the minute. I think if it was any other Chelsea manager, they'd be probably sacked by now. But um, I think the fact that he's obviously a, um, an ex-player, the fact they didn't have a transfer window, uh, or, or had a transfer ban, sorry, and lost Eden Hazard, sort of counts towards um, giving him a bit more time. But even so, the squad that Chelsea have got, I think if you put a decent manager in charge of that Chelsea squad, they would be comfortably sitting third in the table um, and they would have undoubtedly beaten uh, Arsenal in the FA Cup final. So I've got serious question marks about Lampard moving forward. Um, this is really more of a formality than anything. And, and like I said, Bayern Munich to win, um, even at a short price, is a small amount of value. You said that the goal line's pushing the, the three and three and a half. We're going the opposite way. We're, we're looking at uh, under 3.5 as, as a value bet. It's 54% chance of under 3.5 on the market. We're at 59% chance. So, uh, like I said, under 3.5 could be a really interesting runner. Um, and again, we're we're opposing the both teams to score compared to what's on, on offer with the market. But for me, I, I do quite like the under 3.5. I could see Bayern Munich cruising to a 2-0 or a 3-0 win and just getting the rust off before they head to Portugal. Well, that's it for our first episode of the, the Champions League betting blueprint. Always good to have you on, Jake. I'll, I'll speak to you next week and we'll be looking ahead to the quarterfinals. Exciting times. Thank you to everyone for listening. If you've listened to our Premier League Insights podcast, then you'll know by now that infogold.net is the place to go for all your expected goals needs. You can also download the app on iOS and Android, as well as give them a follow on at app on Twitter. The upcoming Champions League games will be on the Pinnacle Live Scores app. So if you're betting in play, make sure you give that a download. All of the odds are available on pinnacle.com. Best of luck with your bets and remember to please gamble responsibly. 